Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our second service. Those of you joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. In fact, I've ran into a few of you this week um, in the grocery store, and honestly, that 94000 it just not today's a big deal, but if you don't use it when it's up and running, it's kind of fun to run into some of you in the grocery store because we don't even know sometimes if you're active or apart. So I got to hear from a couple people this week. They're like, hey, still part of the church, still watching line. That's where we are. Um, so normally I would say, hey, great opportunity to use that 94000 So you guys can't give anything today. You can't check in today. Can't do anything today. So, But don't let that stop you from pulling up like Wednesday or something, okay? Um, help us out there a little bit. Check in. Let us know you are here. Um, you can give online. You can't, you can't sign up for financial peace today through our, web, through our website or going to 94000 So you can go... Um, out here today, and uh, Heather can help you get signed up. Um, if you don't have uh, $60 um, on you, cash or check, you can just, do, we'll do an IO. You just show up Wednesday night and sign up. It's our fault that you can't get there, so deadline will be Wednesday night. Uh, love to have you part of it. We had a, someone that came after first service like, hey, do we, you know, this is a kind of a, a, a parent and kid kind of situation where they both they want to do it. They need to pay $60 for both of them. or want, No, you share the materials. So whether it's a child and a parent taking the course together, whether it's a husband and wife taking the course together, sometimes we don't communicate well enough of that's $60 for a couple or how many resources you're going to share for one uh, person in that way. So just kind of clear that up a little bit. Great course that um, Bowerly has obviously said they've taken, my family's taken, and um, it's just a great um, opportunity to um, find some freedom. Uh, want to welcome again, so glad to have you all here today. Um, I was thinking about my, my family. We all have different things about our families. Um, anybody have a, one side of the family that's a little stranger than the others? You know, you may not want to raise your hand if they're with you today, um, but we all have, you know, some odd people, you know, in our families. Um, if you're thinking, I don't know of anyone odd in our family, you're it. You're the one. Uh, they're all talking about you. Uh, but we, we have a, my dad's side, I don't know them as well. I love them. And there's some fun side of that family. If they're watching, you're the, you're the good ones. Um, but if there's, there's, a, there's a few that's been a little bit different. Probably because there was a big family, six brothers. And I mean, there were six boys and a daughter. Uh, my dad was, had a brother that was 10 years older than him. He had a brother that was 10 years younger than him. But he was the oldest of four brothers in a period of five years. So in 1940, Roy came along. In 1941, Uncle Lee came along. In 1942, Uncle Harold came along. My grandparents took a break, took the year off in 1943. And in 44, they had my Uncle Joe. Four boys in five years. You can imagine the prayer that was needed. And my grandma was a praying woman. I am so thankful for that. Um, she didn't come to the Lord until after they were married, around 27 or 28. She gave her life to Christ. My grandpa was a great man, good, hardworking uh, Western Nebraska farmer, uh, but he just kind of thought church and God was for the women and children. But I'm so thankful my grandma prayed for him for 50 years, and near the end of his life, my grandpa gave his heart and life to Jesus, and I believe on the coattails of the prayers of my grandma. And so um, I'm thankful for that. And yet there must have been some different things about it. It was a good home. My dad said it was a good home. I talked to him this week. He said, yeah, we had a, we had a good home, but they had a runner in the family. I don't know if any some of you teachers out here, usually one school has a runner that they're just, they, they run and they lock all the doors and they, he was a runner at age 16, he ran away from home uh, for about three months, um, came back at age 17, he ran away for good, 
or for the next 22 years, I should say. Uh, reached out a time or two and let him know he's okay, but there was a seven-year period. He had no communication with the family. Uh, you can imagine as a mother how this broke your heart. My grandpa died by the time he came back to the family, but my grandma was praying for her son to come home. And the brothers were trying to reach out to him. They wanted their brother to come home. And so what a glorious day when that day came, uh, 22 years after running away from home, that they were reunited. And from that moment on, uh, my, one of his brothers helped find him housing. And he's lived in western Nebraska. He's 80 years old today. He's lived in western Nebraska from that point on until um, this present day. So he came home. There was a celebration. And it reminds me that home is always a good place to come home to. If it's a good, healthy home. There are some homes that there's certain things that not everyone should return. It's unhealthy. It's not a good situation. But it was a, a healthy home and it was a good place to come home to. He's welcomed with open arms and it's the picture of our Heavenly Father I want us to see today. That our Heavenly Father, His heart is for His kids to come home. It's why He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for us. It's why He gave us and left us His Holy Spirit. Both of those things, all for the purpose that the Father wants to see His kids come home. He wants to see His kids come back to Him. It doesn't matter how long you've been away. It doesn't matter how long you've been out of communication with God. God's heart is always that his kids come home. For those of us who have found our way home and we've been found, the Father wants us to have his heart. The story we're going to read today is a familiar story. And the older son or the elder son, we're not going to spend time on that today, except just to say he didn't have his father's heart. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't love his brother. And he didn't care about what his father cared about. He was very selfish and thought about himself but today we're talking about a story that you may have already picked up on is in Luke uh, chapter uh, 15. God's heart is revealed in this story, a familiar pas passage that Jesus talked about three lost things, the lost sheep, the, the lost uh, coin, and the lost son. Um, and I know as I even uh, thought about preaching this this week, or I've been planning on preaching this week, I thought, man, there's a lot of people that have heard this story before. There's a lot of people who have read this. You're, a lot of people are very familiar with this. If you're not, you've never heard this, I'm really excited for you because this is one of the best uh, stories of the Father's love for us. But even if you've heard this many times, every time I've read this passage, there's something new that jumps off and, and something new that speaks to me in the story or something I've learned from it. So I'm just going to pray right now that even if you've heard it a thousand times, that God would reveal to you this morning to your ears and your eyes something new today and God will speak to me. So you just pray with me for a moment. Um, you can bow your heads even at home right in this moment and say, Heavenly Father, um, in fact, I'm going to let you pray. Just in the quietness of this moment, would you pray that God would speak to your heart today and he would give you ears to hear and eyes to see. Just pray that for yourself. Pray that God would open up the eyes and ears of those around you, maybe family members sitting around you. Pray that God would reveal himself to them today, to your friends. And then would you pray for me that God would help the words that I speak today to be helpful, that you'll go home today and it would be something that would be helpful to you. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Now help your word to come alive to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's first understand the audience to whom Jesus was talking to. 
It was a diverse group of people. We see that in the verse two verses. Verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Everywhere Jesus went, there was usually two groups of people. There was the sinners and tax collectors who were drawn to Jesus. People far from God were drawn to him. They were drawn to him. And yet the Pharisees, the religious people who should have been drawn to him, they were repelled by Jesus. And, and, and in fact, uh, sinners and tax collectors, this group, they were repelled by the Pharisees, but they were drawn to Jesus. And it makes me think today about our lives. If we profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who are we in this? Are we attractive like Jesus is to others? to our family, to our co-workers, to our classmates? Uh, do, do people, we profess to be Christians in our workplace, are people attracted to us? Are they drawn to, they were drawn to Jesus. Uh, are they attracted to us or are they repelled by us? Uh, they were repelled by the Pharisees, but they were attracted to Jesus. Why were they attracted so much to Jesus? Because Jesus simply helped people. Jesus wanted to help people. His desire was to help them. His desire was to spend time with them, love them, enjoy them, be with them. He enjoyed their presence. And why the Pharisees, they, they were kept people at a distance. And they criticized other, uh, other people that didn't, uh, you know, ascribe to the way they believed. They criticized Jesus. And, and do we criticize those who don't believe like we believe? That's one of the things that's going to repel people from ever hearing the good news from us, if we're criticizing the way they live, the way they believe, when they don't ascribe to the, our beliefs and our value system. They just want to know that we love them, we want to help them, that we're a good neighbor. Uh, are, are, we, are we attractive to them? Um, on the other side, you may be saying, you know, I would never criticize Jesus. I think 100% of us in here would say, you know, I, nev I never would criticize Jesus. But what about his church? What about his bride? What about other believers? What about other people from whom he died for? Jesus' church is the bride. And you, you want to get me fired up and you want to get me mad? Don't criticize me. That, that, everyone endures and deals with that. I tell you what, you want to get me fired up, you criticize my wife and you criticize my kids and you'll get me fired up. You'll get me hopping mad. You'll get me ready to boil up my fist. Um, and I don't care if I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. Uh, and and well, I do care that I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. But I, in that moment, if you're going to attack my family, the gloves are coming off. And you may be thinking, man, he's really passionate about this. Who, who talked about Heather this way this week? Or who talked about the girls this way? No one's talked about them this week. Or in the, in the, even this church has been great to my family, great to my wife, and great to my kids. I think you love them. You have problems with me sometimes. You love them. So this isn't, I'm just sharing the point. You're the same way. Someone comes after your kids. You're, you're not going to take it. It's gonna, and that's our Heavenly Father. Is we're His kids. And when we talk about other, His other kids, when we talk bad about His kids who He's trying to bring home, I think He gets hopping mad. I think He gets fired up because that's whom He died for. He died for people. So a couple of questions today as we start. Do I attract or repel people who don't believe like me or non-believers? Do I seek to help people or do I seek to criticize people? Or a way that we say it often around here would, and if you want to follow along in your notes today, this is the first one, would people say I am for them? Would people say that I'm in favor of them, that I'm for them, that at work, man, he's for me. 
um, in my family. This, in, you know, they're for me. In, at school, that person's for me. They're in favor of me. Then Jesus tells us these three stories of three things that were lost. The sheep, the coin, and the son. And again, I almost thought about just paraphrasing this, thinking, you know, so many of us have heard this. But then I've also thought, every time I read God's word, there's things that jump off. And so I don't want to deny you uh, the opportunity because his word says it better than my word. And so we're going to go ahead and read the story, even though it may be familiar to you. Then Jesus told the, this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose... A woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he tells the final story. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate so that so they divided his property between the two. So he divided the property between the two. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to, to be a citizen of that country, who sent him to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine who was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. These are three stories illustrating immense value. Three things that had immense value. The sheep, the lamb had immense value to the shepherd. It was his livelihood. And, and if he didn't have a sheep, there was no, no value. I mean, if the sheep is eaten by a wolf or a coyote, there's no value to that dead sheep or lamb to the shepherd. The coin, I read two conflicting um, 
uh, commentaries on the coin. I'm going to share the first one. The one is the one of value, that it was, it was said that this wasn't just a coin, but it was a coin that went on a headband of 10 coins that a young bride would wear signifying that she belonged to her husband, that she was married to her husband. And so it's easy to s- dismiss, okay, a nickel, a dime, or a quarter, but if you think of it like a wedding ring, yes, you would get on your hands and knees and you would search your home for a wedding ring. Now, where I got tripped up a little bit as I turned to another commentary, and this commentary said that the coin was only worth 30 cents. Now, I don't know who's right or who's wrong, but I can take it either direction. The 30 cents tells me that it doesn't matter how little value you may think that you are, you're of infinite value to our Heavenly Father. God would search for the one who feels the least in here. God would search out for you if you feel the least valuable, although you're of equal value to everyone around you. God would go after you. The Heavenly Father, he, he would search for you because you have value even if you don't feel you have value today. But I'm going with the purposes of today. This is the wedding ring. That it had immense value. And finally, we, it's the sun. The sun has uh, immense value because of just the value of human life. And I know so much of the things in our world and the things that are going on, uh, you know, I'm not getting stuck on different things, abortion and otherwise, but there's so much devaluing of human life. But if we're believers, followers, or Christians, we value life. We understand the value of human life. So we don't need to spend our time on that. But here's three things, or four the different things of what happened, or the reason. If you want to follow along in your notes today, each were lost for different reasons. The first, the sheep was lost because of foolishness. Sometimes, and I'm not saying we don't make foolish, dumb decisions now, but I mean, the younger I was, I can think of some foolish things that I did that I wouldn't want to tell you today. We just, sometimes we just did foolish things, dumb things, things we maybe thought were funny. We look back now and go, man, that could have got us killed. I mean, it wasn't wasn't all that funny. It was foolish. And I, I look at this part and I think Jesus is talking about the sheep and them being foolish. And I wonder, should we be offended? Should we be offended that that's who we're being compared to? Sheep, sheep known as not being the brightest, smartest animal out there and I'm going to take it the half full cup again uh, away. I think about my, our new dog, Molly, who's a year and a half old, golden retriever. We had a golden retriever, Nellie, before that for 10 years. Nellie was the perfect angel dog, listened to every word we said. Just if you looked at her wrong, I mean, she felt the weight of disappointing you. Molly, I thought for a while, was dumb. And I thought we got a raw deal. But I've come to understand that that dog is dumb like a fox that she actually just has her own will. And like any child has a different personality, she does some foolish things, but she knows what she's doing. But here's what I'm going to say on this. I don't care which it was, the angel dog or the devil dog. I love those dogs. I love the old one, but I love this new one just as much as the other one. We love our kids no matter what, no matter their decision-making, whether they're making great decisions or bad decisions, foolish decisions. There's nothing that stops us from loving our kids. And a good shepherd loved his sheep. The coin was lost because of carelessness. Sometimes we get careless in life. Sometimes we just stop thinking that we make decisions because we just get careless in our actions My family must think I'm a little bit careless because at Christmas they were so excited to give me these four silver little things that I could attach to my wallet 
to my keys and to anything else that was valuable because they were tired of me losing stuff. And, and they thought I'd be a little bit careless. And so now I have something I can, I can track down where my wallet is. I can track down where my keys are. And, even, and, and, and this isn't the story where they're all excited when I find my stuff at home. No, they're a little frustrated. They're a little tired. There's not a sense of jubilation when I find stuff in the home. We don't celebrate like we're celebrating this story. They get a little frustrated. They get a little tired of this thing. So they gave me these tools that keeps me now. They said, well, just look it up on your phone. You can find it yourself. The coin was lost because of carelessness. Finally, the son was lost because of willfulness, because of rebellion. Now, prodigal means wasteful. And this young man, this prodigal son, was asking for his father's inheritance. And in Jewish culture, I had this question asked afterwards. It was from an elderly person thinking, do I need to give all my stuff away to my kids now if they come ask? And I said, no, that was, that's not our culture. There's culture in China, a culture in Jap Japan, there's culture in America. This was the culture of a couple thousand years ago. But the culture was the son had the right to come ask his father for his inheritance. And the father gave his inheritance willingly. But really, what the son was saying to the father is, I don't care about you. I care about what you have. I care about your stuff. In fact, I wouldn't bother me if you're dead. I just want what is mine. Give me what's mine. And yet, a good father loves his kids. My kids could put my life in danger. They could do something wrong. They could shoot me. Nothing's going to stop me from loving my kids. Nothing stops our heavenly fathers from loving you. But yet, the son... Willfully, he, he, he coveted. He was greedy for more. He was looking for the grass that was greener on the other side. He was looking off to a far-off land, and trouble always ensues when we value things more than we do people. Trouble always ensues in our life when we give in to pleasure over duty, when we covet after distant things more than being grateful for what we have. Like this prodigal son who was looking way off into the distance, into a distant country for something that there had to be better. It's uh, greener. It's what got Adam and Eve in trouble from the very beginning is there was something better. God was holding out on them. It's a lie the enemy tells us that God is holding out on us, that, that there's something better out there, but God's keeping this from you, and so you have to go after it yourself. you got to go after it if you really want to have the best of what life has to offer. The son wanted freedom to spend on his pleasure. He wanted to pursue his own interests. But this parable that Jesus tells reminds us that although we may be told and feel that we can have the freedom to go after our own things, go after our own way, it always leads to slavery. It always leads to bondage. We're told this lie, this freedom. In fact, it's one of the smaller ways why we're, you know, offering financial peace. You know, we become adults and we can say, I can do whatever I want. I can spend. I remember my roommate in college got his first, he got a credit card. And, and he became generous all of a sudden. I don't know, he wasn't thinking, but he was like, I'll pay, for, I'll pay for dinner, I'll pay for this. He thought he just had kind of unlimited supply of money for a little bit. And we can feel like we have this freedom to spend and do whatever we want. But eventually it's going to lead us to a place of bondage. Our own way promises success, but it brings failure. Sin or our way promises life, but it leads to death. The proverb says so wisely, a man's seems way, ways seem right to him, but in the end, it leads to death. Our way seems right, but it leads to death. Three parables describe what is lost if you're still following along. The lamb, the coin, and the son 
were out of place. Kind of like one of Tony's cars, out of place. Now, that's an inside joke. I'm not going to repeat that story. You'll have to go back a couple weeks ago to watch that. But it, when something's out of place, where, it's, where, it's, where it doesn't belong, the sheep didn't belong with the flock. I mean, the sheep did belong with the flock. The coin belonged on the headband, and the son belonged at home. They were all out of place. Jesus was illustrating that sinners are out of place, that we're out of place when we're not at home where God wants us to be, when we're not, we're not belong. We're, we're belong with God. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit more. But we belong in the family of God. We belong in his family when we come home. The second thing is the sheep, the coin, and the son, they were out of service. The lamb lost its value. The lamb is no value to the shepherd if it's been eaten by the coyote or by the by the wild animal. It's lost its value. The coin has lost its value if you can't use it, if you can't spend it, if you can't invest it. And the, and the sheep has lost its value as well. I mean, the, the son has lost his value. The sheep, let's move on to the next point. The sheep, the coin, and the son were out of service. I've already shared that. Many reasons for being lost. But it doesn't matter what the reason is, they're still lost. They're still in need of being found. A few uh, months or so ago, we had visited our daughters at our school in Chicago. There was, uh, outside their dining hall, across the street was a church. Actually, it was one of our former pastors' church uh, uh, that pastored there five years, Kendall Franklin. It was his former church. We were walking over to, because our car was parked in that parking lot, we saw an elderly lady she was searching for something. She was in and out of her car. She was down on her hands and knees. There was about six of us, and we said, can we help? Is there, is there, what are you looking for? And she said, I'm looking for my wedding ring. I can't find my wedding ring. So we began to look with her. We began to look in the back of the car, and we began to look in the crevices in between the seats. And I noticed if it had fallen off outside her car, I noticed there was a slope and there was a drain. And so my attention was drawn to that drain. And so I went to that drain. I got really pretty hopeful. And I, oh, I put my flashlight on my phone. I put it down in there. I looked everywhere and I did not see the ring. I'd, I'd love to tell you the story that I came home the hero. I was, I was wanting to be the hero in this story. I was wanting to find this elderly lady's wedding ring, and I wanted to say that I did it, that I found it. This is not one of those stories. None of us found it. And the lady went home sad. And we didn't give up until she gave up, but we were kind of glad she gave up because it was cold. <laughs> but this is not one of those stories of something lost where the father gives up. This is a story about what's found. The story doesn't end with the bad news, but it finishes with the good news that what was lost was found. Jesus doesn't tell stories about things that are just lost. He talks about things that are found. Two things happened when the lamb, the coin, and the son were found. First, they were put back in the right place. They were back where they belong. They were back the, the, the sheep was, the lamb was back with the flock. The coin was back in the headband. The, the son was back home. And when we're found, when we're reconciled to God, we're back home where we belong. And I just believe there's a, a world that's out of sorts. They, don't, they may not know the reason why. 
It could be foolishness. It could be carelessness. It could be willfulness. It could be for another reason. But there's a world that's out of sorts because they're not where they belong. They're not in God's family. They're not in God's, in enjoying God's presence, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. And if you're here today, you're watching online, and, and you feel out of sorts, it, there's a reason. Because you belong in God's family. You belong in a relationship with him. Some of us come to that conclusion and come to our senses sooner than others. My grandma was when she was 27. My grandpa was when he was 72. But praise the Lord when we come to our senses and we realize that we're out of sorts, we're not where we belong, and life is never going to feel like it's right in place until we're, and I'm not talking about you come to Jesus and everything's going to line up, the stars are going to line up, nothing bad's going to happen, all good things. You're, you know, you're going to be wealthy and rich, and, and you're going to have everything that you want. You'll never be sick. You'll never have uh, brokenness. No, we live in a broken world. But there is, there is something that we are completely out of place. It's not quite right until we are back and we come back to God. All things the son had hoped to find far away that he'd looked for, all the things that he was hoping to find, he found when he came back home. God clothed him. The, the Father clothed him. God closes us, closes us with righteousness. Takes away our nakedness and puts on righteousness. When, it, when, when the son came home, he had friends, celebrations. He found love, joy, peace. He found a future, which leads me to the, the second thing. When he came home, they were back in service. When, when the things that were lost were found, they were back in service. They were given a purpose. When we come back, our identity are, is restored, our values restored. I believe this about each and every one of you and me. We were made on purpose for a purpose. And when we're not walking with God, living for God, we're out of sorts, we're out of service. But when we come back, we're back where we belong, we're back in service, we begin to understand God's purpose for our life. The dominant theme of this story is the love of God compelled him to search to the farthest corners of the earth, to the farthest depths to find that which was lost that they'd be found. There was no quitting, no giving up. It, it, the, if, if God had been in that parking lot a couple months ago, he wouldn't have quit. He wouldn't have given up until that, that ring was found. He doesn't give up on us until we're found. He's not willing that any should die or any should perish, that all should come to repentance. In the Old Testament, he says, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants everyone to come home. He wants everyone to be found. He wants all 7 billion people on the face of this earth. He is pursuing. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for everyone. He sent his Holy Spirit out searching to the farthest depths of the corners of the earth so that the lost would be home, would be found, would be back where they belong as a part of his family. And two things had to happen for that to happen. Number one, our Father, our God had to make a way to receive us back. He did that through the cross. You see, the wayward son in the Jewish culture, when he brought disgrace to his family, when he brought dishonor to his family in Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21, it said that that son should have been stoned to death for bringing dishonor to his family. But if you look at this story, there's no way that that would have been able to happen because the father saw his son way off in the distance. He went running to his son. He put his arms around his son, protecting his son. That if no one, if they would have anyone have thrown a stone, they would have had to hit the father. 
They would have had to hit the father. They would have had to do damage to him. They would have had to hurt him. But his arms of protection were around the sun, protecting him. And by the way, in the East, in the Jewish culture, old men didn't run. Yet the father ran to his son because of his love. God's running to you today. God's running to me today. God's running to us today. God's running to you if you're watching online today. God has run to us. God has done his part. But there's a part that we play in this too. It's called repentance. It's to change one's mind. It's to do what this prodigal son, the prodigal son came to his senses. My grandma came to her senses at 27. My grandpa came to his senses at 72. My other grandpa came to his senses at 14. I came to my senses at 10. My dad came to his senses at 19. There's different places that we come to our senses, but God is hoping that we'll come to our senses to realize how much he loves us, how much we belong in his family, how much he wants us to be with him and enjoy his grace and his presence. Maybe it's not always willful rebellion. Maybe it's just sometimes we get foolish. Sometimes we get careless. But know this, the Father's heart is that we would come home. Today, if we close out this service, we're going to sing a a great song that, that Dustin picked out that's like, this is a great way to close the service. I hope you'll pay attention to every single word of this song. It, it's the Father's heart to come home to us. That sometimes we need a surgeon, sometimes we need a friend. I don't know what you need today, but whatever that is, God wants to be that for you. He wants to be that for you today. And today, this is uh, just a place that was an opportunity for us to respond. And we're going to take a few moments. If you want to pray, you can. These altars are a great place to pray. If these inside altars here, uh, that's a place that if you want some pastor or someone to pray with you, come to these middle altars. If you just want to pray today and you want to come to those outside altars and you just want to pray on your own, you can do that. If you want to pray in your seat, you can do that. You can pray in your couch where you are. There's nothing magical about this, but sometimes... Sometimes you just sense that God's calling you to respond. As you think about the words of this song, what, is, what do you need? What is God asking of you today? Or what do you need from God today? You need a surgeon? You need a friend? God wants to be that for you. We're just going to sing this song. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we sing this song together. And then after uh, this song is over, I'll come up and lead us in prayer. And we'll go home and we'll root for the chiefs. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us today. Lord, I just pray more than anything that every person within the sound of my voice in this room or online hears the love that God has for them. Father, you're crazy about us. We think about how crazy we are about our kids. Multiply that times a bazillion gazillion and it still wouldn't measure how much you love us. Lord, someone needs to hear today, God loves them. God loves us. That's the message today. Lord, if we would live out of that love, it would change everything to know that you're for us. God, I just pray you'd speak to us in this moment. If we need to come pray and just embrace your presence today to do that, or if it's to to just uh, claim this worship that we sing out loud as a testament of who you are and what you mean to us. Whatever it is, God, just do what you want to do in these next few moments as we give honor and praise to you in Jesus' name.